Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hi, I'm Karen Pugliese, Editor-in-Chief of Candleland, filling in for Jesse Brown. I want to tell you about a story that I saw in the Eganville Leader. It was last December, and it had a picture of this young girl. It was Nevea Sarazan. Now, I don't know her, but I like to keep up on what's happening back in my home community, Pequoknagon. Nevea's 15 years old, and in her photo, she's wearing this gray hoodie, her long brown hair is parted down the middle, and she just has the biggest grin on her face. Ear to ear. For real. Now, Nevea was the junior female head dancer at last year's powwow, and she's been dancing since she could walk. Her mother, Gina Sarazen, used to drum for her. But that's not what got her picture in the paper. She just won $50,000 for her community. Now, that's one happy kid. What does a high school kid do with $50,000? Well, she's giving some to support the powwow and some to community services like sweat lodges, and she even wants to buy a Zamboni for the community's outdoor rink. I asked Greg Sarazen, her older cousin, about it. Definitely a whole lot easier to take care of your rice with a Zamboni than it is with a fire hose. 
we're very proud of her. She's a role model for the youth, most definitely, and uh, she sets a fine example for, for everybody. Now, that's the way I know my community, tight-knit and proud of its culture. But there was something else going on at Pukwaknagon. It's there in paragraph 10 of Nevea's story, when she says there isn't as much money as there used to be for youth programs. And in her words, the kids today get involved with drugs and everything. That article about Nevea was published in December. Now, Greg Sarazin, her cousin, he's also the chief of Pukwaknagon. Around the same time as that article came out, Chief Sarazin declared a state of emergency. I'm going to talk to him about what's happening. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by John Jakowitz, Nicholas Lovesin, Raina Porter, Stephen Koopman, Matthew Raffus, Robert Collingwood, Stacey Chappell, and Finley. Hi, my name is Finley, an avid podcast listener currently living in Kamloops, BC. I support Canada Land because I like learning the truth about how this country actually works, even if those truths aren't the most comfortable to hear sometimes. Every episode of Canada Land I listen to, I learn something new. And any program that can consistently do that is worth supporting. Keep up the great work. We're about an hour and a half due west of Ottawa, as you say, Highway 17, two around Cobden. And Cobden, you would turn left and come through Eganville into uh, Golden Lake. If you've never heard of these towns, that's okay. There's no reason you should have. As you leave Ottawa and you drive west towards Algonquin Park, the towns just keep getting smaller. You pass a lot of cows and farms in between, and it takes about an hour and a half, according to the chief. You turn off Highway 60 and you cross the Bonnechere River and uh, come on to uh, the First Nation. And when you're on the First Nation, the first spot that you will encounter is uh, the Kokomish Gas Bar and Restaurant. Then uh, if you turn left at the uh, restaurant and go another two and a half kilometers in that direction, you're at the end of the reserve, so it's not very large. Chief Sarazen was born and raised here. He's the first of seven children, he has seven children, and seven grandchildren. We try to get together every year and stay close and make sure that the uh, grandchildren know each other and they grow up together. Uh, My grandfather was a a traditional birch bark canoe builder, as was my father, and my dad passed away in 2006, and his his canoe shop endures beside the Bonnachere River, right beside uh, his father's uh, uh, lifelong home. And the shop is still there, those tools are still there. My mom is uh, 82 years of age, she's still alive, and uh, she helps me out once in a while and makes sure she uh, puts her hand to it. My brother Henry is also a birch bark canoe builder, and uh, my son helps out from time to time as well, and I'm hoping that uh, he'll take up the family tradition. When it's running, the canoe shop employs up to 12 people. There's jobs at the band office, there's a gas station and a museum. Those uh, tax-free smoke shops, and once it became legal, pot shops that popped up on reserves all over, they're here too. It's a small community, but hundreds of customers come in every day. We're not uh, isolated from surrounding communities. We're very much part of the economy of our uh, area. We have a thriving economy in Pipwak. We've got that uh, 
brings outside, you know, money and, and resources into the community. The graduation rate is high, employment is at 80%, and that's high for a rural community or a First Nation. The books are tight. It seemed to me that the community was doing well for itself. But just as business comes in from the outside, so too do troubles. Last year, the surrounding county saw a spike in overdoses and drug-related deaths. Tanya Kuchke knows a lot about the opioid crisis. Like me, Tanya lives away. She's a few hours away in Aurelia, but she has strong connections to Pekwaknagon. Uh, my grandfather, growing up, he was a chief for some time. My grandmother, she started dancing and she would make regalias. And uh, I can remember still she had this little candy store and she had a sewing room in the back. And she made my first regalia, which I still have. And we danced. She wanted to be a singer or a dancer. But instead, she became a cop. Off-reserve cop, that is. Pekwaknagan doesn't have a police force. But today she's not wearing her uniform. She's talking to me only as a concerned community member. One thing she knows is that tranquilizers are being added to the drug supply here, same as in the cities. Xylazine is one kind, but all of them are dangerous. They put users in a deep state of unconsciousness, slowing their heart rate and breathing and increasing the risk of overdose. Naloxone, the drug used to stop opioid overdoses, won't work on the tranquilizers. Tranquilizers, like they're being added to other drugs. And anyone who does have, uh, you know, an addiction, they're not necessarily in the know that that's what they're getting when they get it. Of course, anyone who is selling, they're adding to the product so that their product is something that buyers will want. And unfortunately, there's several reasons. I mean, obviously, they use it as a cutting agent, but also extending the high. It's a different type of high, I understand. I don't know what that feels like, but I understand it's a different type of high. And I think that once they've tried it, they want to try it again. So I think what they're doing is adding it into other drugs that people are using as well. And unfortunately, you don't know when you're going to get a batch that actually has those added into it. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them 
treat addiction, and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. We don't know how many overdoses there have been in Pickwacknagon exactly. The chief says not everyone dies and not every overdose is reported. But what we do know is there was at least five overdoses last year in a community with only 250 adults. That's one in 50 people overdosing. Even more must be using. We just don't know how many. But it's not just about those on reserve. There have been dozens of overdoses when you count the cousins, the kids, and the other family members living away. Everybody is connected in one way or another. Uh, We have about uh, around 550 uh, residents uh, on the reserve, although our total population is around 3,000. Everybody is connected in one way or another, either by family or social connections. Uh, uh, We're a very uh, tight community for the people who live on the reserve, but a lot of our relatives live off reserve as well. He means people like Tanya, or like me. Uh, Full disclosure, my cousin Don is on band council. He was the first one I reached out to when I heard. And he also means Kevin Lamar. Actually, Kevin just moved to the reserve after a five-year wait. Like most First Nations communities, there's a long waiting list for a home here. He's a health services worker working with the Ottawa Valley Ontario Health Team. He's also a drummer and a singer who weaves cultural teachings into his work. According to Kevin, there's a history of addiction here. He was once alcohol addicted himself. And that doesn't surprise me. Pickwocknagon, like other First Nations, has been through the ringer. Residential schools, the child welfare system, the fallout of those programs that caused so much trauma is here. And the community's been working on it. But over the last five years, it's gotten really bad. People who were not users became users, and casual users became addicts, crime increased, and death became more possible. What's new is the fentanyl. So there's always been issues with addiction within Pickwakanaga. Now the substance has changed. It's causing more, um, more fatal, has more fatal impacts than what was previously used, right? I lost a friend. Uh, there's like suspected um, use that, that contributed to his death recently. I asked Kevin if he wants to talk about his friend. He doesn't. It's still raw. It just lost him this year. I don't really want to talk about him too much. But uh, there's there's been other members too. 
We've lost other people that I grew up alongside with. I just don't want to give all kinds of names. But I can say there's about three or four people that I know have passed to the suspected overdose. And uh, last year, what I heard from just like talking to people on reserve, there was someone who had to be revived three times in one night with naloxone. The chief says concern peaked last November. Myself and the council members are having this discussion ourselves, and people are having this discussion as well. And then they're talking to us, and we're hearing it in the public forum of Facebook and the groups that are on Facebook. And now when you ask what was the turning point and, and where did we get to, well, the answer is there's no definitive answer. You can't just say that was it there. And that's what I was trying to get to earlier. This is something that's been building over a period of time. And as the overdoses mount, and as the deaths uh, mount in our entire population, both on reserve and and off, uh, then people will become increasingly frustrated. And it's like, oh no, not another one. Another one. Oh my God, something's got to, you know. And frustration hits a boiling point. And then uh, my brother's uh, death back in November. The chief's 58-year-old brother, Joseph Sarazen, was killed in his home. His death added to a growing sense of fear in the community. My younger brother, Joe, born and raised in Pequagnodon, uh, uh, moved to the city as a young adult, worked in the federal public service uh, until he retired about, uh, about eight years ago now, and he moved to Pequagnodon, and he lived here uh, from that time on. He was... Uh, uh, well-known and well-loved uh, by his close friends. He, uh, and he was uh, quick to uh, help anybody out. If they needed help, and whether they knew they needed help or not, he was there to help them. And he was always uh, always happy, and he was always quick to smile, and he was a uh, quick wit, and he always wanted to bring a smile to your face. That was my brother. There's a publication ban on the case of Joseph's death, and it's still before the courts. It hasn't been determined that the death was drug-related. What I can tell you is that there's a manslaughter charge pending. I got to the point where the deaths have to stop, regardless of what the exact cause was. It's all interrelated that our people are dying. We've got to do something about this. The community called on the chief and council to take a hard look at the issue. They met at the Maqua Center. That's a gathering place for many reasons. It usually holds fun things like bingo, sports, and cultural events. For this meeting about the opioid crisis, 150 people showed up. Remember, there's only 250 adults in the community, so that's a lot. We heard the very personal stories. We heard people say, for example, my brother or my sister or myself, I've been through this life. And we sat and we listened uh, to everybody. And everybody needed to vent, everybody needed to tell their stories. And it was a a long and very painful meeting that we had and it really underlined the need to do something. Declaring a state of emergency does a few things. It lets outsiders in, so paramedics came in to support the community health team. The Ontario Provincial Police came into reserve to respond to overdose incidents and to investigate trafficking. Pukwaknagon got more naloxone kits and gave them out to community members and businesses. These things help. Of course, remember what Tanya told us. 
Naloxone only works if the supply is clean. Still, Pequoctagon doesn't have the one thing they really need, a way to stop the addictions. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace on the World Wide Web. God bless it. You can talk about AI and augmented reality, and you can even go build an app if that's what you want, but you need a website. You still need a website. But you know what? The web is evolving every day. And one thing I've learned over like decades now of having various websites for various projects is that you don't want to build a website and have it like locked in amber because the web keeps evolving. You need a website that you can integrate the new things that is always compatible with wherever things go. And that's why a ongoing service like Squarespace makes a lot more sense than just like hiring somebody to build you a website. Instead, go to squarespace.com, use one of their templates, build a great website, and you'll save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or a domain because you listen to this podcast. Here's how to do it. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch go to squarespace.com slash CanadaLand. That's where you'll get the discount, your 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. The thing about every First Nation that makes it so different from a town or a city is that everybody is someone's cousin, unlike in the city where the addicted are strangers. If you see somebody behaving strangely on the reserve, you know them. You know your neighbor's business. You are your brother's keeper. So addiction is not just about the pain of losing somebody you love. It's about desperately hoping to save someone you love or protect someone you love. It's a lot of discussion back and forth right now on uh, deciding how to move forward and approach it without, I guess, offending a lot of people as well. You have some people that are angry that the community's in this situation, and then you got others that kind of want to work through it in the best way where nobody's really harmed or nobody's getting pushed out or uh, feeling like they're not part of the community because they're addicted. Unlike the nearby towns, Pequoknagon has no hospital and no treatment facility. And with the rising opioid crisis seemingly everywhere, there's a lineup to get help. We do have one individual at the Guadalcanal that's been seeking a treatment facility for some time. And it's been like weeks and weeks of trying to get someplace and ended up having to get some counseling therapy uh, from the center, but uh, that would be remotely before they could actually even get a bed. And so the, the deck is stacked against us in that regard of finding a place for people to go because When you look at it, the nature of the beast is that when a person is ready to go, sometimes you have a narrow window to get them out the door and into a treatment facility. And if you miss that window, then you miss that opportunity. Well, that's the nature of of addiction. The opportunity is there. You have to act upon it. And if you don't act upon it, the opportunity is lost. It might be years, if ever, that person ever gets to that point again, or at some point it may result in tragedy at some point. So it's a big challenge. There's only so much help, it seems, that can come in from the outside. So the community's recruiting volunteers on reserve and off and from other First Nations to pitch in alongside the health services team. People came out and say, I'm here to help and I want to contribute. 
And when they came out to that meeting, and then that's when we started to organize them and say, okay, what we're going to do is that you will be the committee, you will be the task force, you will be the person that, that directs uh, our response to the state of emergency. We've identified four specific pillars of response that we can organize our efforts into. The first pillar being prevention, the second one being um, a treatment, and the third being aftercare. And the fourth pillar really is around community safety. And community safety then deals with uh, making sure that uh, our elders feel safe within their community, making sure that the community is safe, making sure that people who may be addicts are safe from the lifestyle. Pukwaknagan and other communities have had success before with cultural and spiritual programming. It doesn't cure addiction. But in the past, programs have helped with prevention and resiliency during recovery. Both Tanya and Kevin have joined the community's task force. Kevin's focused on prevention and aftercare. He's hopeful, but it's still early days. How can we prevent something from happening? Well, the exposure to culture and being involved in cultural activities generally deters people from wanting to participate in drug use and alcohol use because the two don't work hand in hand. Generally, if you're doing cultural practices on the regular, you really don't have time to venture off and do the nonsense, right? I'm teaching these youth to uh, sing. I'm teaching them the opportunities that come with the drum because I've been a singer for about 20 years, right? So that post-treatment is, is a lot of personal effort. And some people don't have that, that capability. So like what works for me and what I'm doing to uh, move forward on my healing journey might not necessarily work for someone else. And they might not have that ability to do it on their own. Some people do rely heavily on that, uh, that buddy system for healing as well. But fentanyl is different. It's just a harder drug to get off. As a reporter, I've watched more than 71 First Nations fall into a state of emergency due to opioids, and so far none have recovered. These states of emergency in some cases have been going on for eight years. At least two First Nations are suing the federal government for emergency assistance funding. I almost never report on my own community. I have too many relations in Pickwaknagon, too many cousins. It just gets conflict of interesty. So why this time? I'll admit it. Because I'm pissed off. In the last few weeks, I watched a story about a similar crisis in Belleville, a small city just west of Kingston, blow up in the media. Belleville's state of emergency made headlines in the Toronto Star, The Globe. The National Post wrote, Belleville is the new symbol of Canada's small-town opioid crisis. The new symbol of Canada's small-town opioid crisis? Is it? I told you off the top about a girl from my community in an Eganville leader story. To me, the new symbol of Canada's small-town opioid crisis is a young kid who's carrying the burden of trying to win money to help solve the opioid crisis in her community. And that story should have been the lead, but it got buried 10 paragraphs down.
That's your Canada Land. I want to remind you about Canada Labs, our new initiative to create a hub for young journalists. In particular, there's our Audio Journalism Fellowship Program. In partnership with Journalists for Human Rights, it offers two students a paid four-month placement in Canada Land's newsroom and an opportunity to work alongside and learn from our team of seasoned journalists and editors. Applications close on March 13th, 2024. So make sure to check it out at candleland.com forward slash Candlelabs. If you like the sound of that program or if you like the sound of this program, please support it. We really do need people to do so. You can become a Candleland supporter and get a bunch of awesome stuff from us and help us bring our journalism to everybody for free at candleland.com forward slash join or by clicking on the link in the show notes. You can email me at karen at candleland.com. That's K-A-R-Y-N because I spell it differently. Or you can email jesse at jesse at candleland.com. Uh, he really does read them all. Our website is candleland.com. This week's show was reported by me, Karen Puliese, editor-in-chief. Tristan Capacchione is our audio editor and technical producer. Our senior producer is Bruce Thorson. Our production coordinator is Andre Pru. Jesse Brown is back next week. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. You can listen to Candleland ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.